Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. On Wednesdays, we cover healthcare, and Wednesday it is. Today's date is July 25th, and I'm your host, Christine Hargis. I'm joined via Skype by Todd Campbell, Fool.com healthcare specialist. Todd, what's new and exciting? Christine, um, not, a, not a whole tremendous amount is going on. We're getting some uh, work done at, at Todd HQ. Uh, which is, of course, taking up a little bit of time, effort, and energy. You know, you got to love those roofing projects, right? you got to figure out exactly who to hire and how to get it all done. But, you know, I think we'll come out on the other side a lot drier. Yeah, maybe you'll stop getting rained on one of these days. Maybe. You hope so. So, today's topic we are calling uh, three under 30, as in three stocks trading for $30 or less. We'll be talking about Novacure, Flexion, and Zogenix. But first, we want to emphasize that $30 per share, that's a number that's pretty arbitrary. A common misconception about stocks is that their price works like the price of goods, where a $100 pair of shoes is more expensive than a $50 pair. But what you have to remember is that the price of a company, what its value actually is, comes down to its market capitalization or its market cap. And that's the price per share multiplied by the total number of shares outstanding. That tells you the actual price of the company. And for the companies that we're talking about today, that range will be from about 300 million to a little bit under 2 billion. So experienced investors, bear with us. That is a point that I don't want any of our newer investors out there to miss that share price doesn't matter nearly as much as market cap. But we are still using it as a guiding light for today's episode. Yeah, and you know, Christine, I think a lot of people when they first start out trading, they think, "Oh, I'll buy this two-dollar stock because you know it's easier for me to get a ten percent return." And it's simply just not the case. I mean, a ten percent return on a thousand-dollar stock is the same as a ten percent return on a ten-dollar stock or a two-dollar stock. And you know, I always tell people, "Listen, it's way, way better to focus on quality." Uh, rather than the quantity of shares that you can buy because a, a, a share price happens to be cheap. So, you know, when you're thinking about quality, you want to find things that, you know, companies that are doing interesting or intriguing things, especially in the healthcare front, you know, maybe something that's disruptive or something that's brand new and could reshape treatment, um, you know, with catalysts maybe that are coming up in a relatively short order that could actually move that share price up and hopefully not down. And when we were prepping for the show, you know, you and I batted around a whole bunch of stocks. I mean, there must have been, you know, the list we were dealing with listeners had to have been, you know, know, 50 stocks that we were back and going back and forth on. And we settled on these three because in in our view, they had they're interesting stocks. They're doing some pretty cool things. And there are catalysts that, you know, could theoretically make these stocks move over the course of the next, I don't know, year or two. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a pretty long list. The scraper that I built was not just looking for stocks that were less than $30 a share, but I also wanted them to be of pretty substantial market cap. We don't want to talk about any stocks that are too small to be worth consideration. So today's stocks range it from about $770 million. Is that our smallest one? No, our smallest one is $320 million, and the largest is $1.7 billion. So with that, let's dive in, starting with a 
company called Novocure. And listeners, that's ticker NVCR. And Todd, I know this is a company that you and fellow Fool.com writer Brian Feroldi went to visit recently. This is a really interesting story. The stock's trading around $19 a share. It's got a market cap about $1.65 billion. And yeah, Christine, really, uh, you know, we were lucky enough uh, to, to both live up in the area and be able to go and sit down and talk to uh, key executives about how they are reimagining treatment for cancer and specifically glioblastoma, which is the most common form of brain cancer. And listeners, you know, if, if you pay attention to Washington, which, you know, as, as healthcare investors, we always pay attention to Washington, right? You probably have heard uh, the sad news that, that John McCain had been diagnosed with a type of brain cancer. Sure enough, it was glioblastoma. So that got us thinking about, okay, well, you know, what kind of um, treatments are available for patients with glioblastoma? And sure enough, uh, Novocure has a relatively new approach that seems to be very effective in the indication. And it's really interesting because it's completely different than traditional forms of treatment. It's not a chemotherapy. It's not radiation. Instead, it works. And this actually, to me, kind of sounds like science fiction, but it, it's on the market. So it actually does have some clinically demonstrated effect. What it does is it uses these tumor-treating fields. They're called TT fields. And they've shown that surrounding a tumor with these fields helps to stop cancerous cell division. And so as a result, the tumor itself is not able to grow as quickly inside the patient. And the great advantage to that is that there's no systemic toxicity, which is in complete contrast to something like radiation or chemotherapy. Chemotherapy has a whole host of side effects, nausea, constipation, fatigue, anemia. There's, there's a ton of really terrible uh, side effects that patients have to experience. And radiation often kills healthy cells alongside cancerous ones. But yeah, the theory... Yeah. Yeah, the theory yeah, here is that you can avoid that. Right. It's it's really interesting because, I, I, you know, this is going to date myself. I, I know you probably like to go to the beach. I go to the beach. Back in the olden days when you went to the beach and you wanted to listen to the, your favorite radio station, you really had to get careful with that transistor radio and get that frequency just right to get your favorite station in. Somehow, lots of research, obviously, Novacure was able to figure out the exact precise frequency that it could use to disrupt cell division. So their approach is, is extremely different than anything that including oncologists are used to prescribing for their patients. To be able to disrupt the ability for cells to, these cancer cells to replicate uh, without having these off-target um, risk of, of safety and toxicity or even the ability so far for there to be any kind of a buildup of resistance to this approach. You know, it's, it's, it's very, very different. The, the machine itself, you've got this um, TT field generating machine. It's not that big. It's maybe the size of a small laptop computer or something like that. Um, then you've got these arrays that you wear on your head, kind of like a, a knit hat. And the arrays are custom designed for every patient. So, you know, scan is done. They figure out exactly where to put these on your head. They're made just for this one patient. They send them the, the, the generator. They send them the arrays. The arrays get swapped out every two to three days. And, um, and sure enough, in trials, you know, this has more than doubled the five-year survival rate when used alongside chemotherapy in glioblastoma patients. And this is a cancer that has extremely poor prognosis. 
So to see such a, a great dramatic improvement in this gives a lot of patients a, a lot of hope, and especially now that this disease has become part of the, the national attention because of Senator John McCain, uh, there will be a lot of eyes looking at this company to see, will it continue to perform as well? Right now, there are about 1,200 patients that are actively using Optune. That figure has been steadily rising over time. And the company is exploring it in other forms of cancer as well, including lung, ovarian, and pancreatic cancer which could really, really expand the addressable market for this company. For example, right. glioblastoma, Christine, I think there's only 12,500 cases per year in the U.S., maybe another 5,000 if you add together Japan and Germany, where Optune is also available. So it's a relatively small market when you compare it to, say, pancreatic cancer, which is 50,000 plus, or non-smell lung cancer, which is, of course, even more. Um, the trials they're conducting now, the data won't, won't be available for a while on that. But what's interesting to me about this is that in speaking to management and talking to them, they think that they can achieve break-even and potentially profitability just on the glioblastoma uh, approvals alone. And, you know, you mentioned that they're treating about 1,200 patients now. You know, that's up substantially from 225 patients in 2014. And revenue was $83 million last year. That's up 150% year over year. And costs are growing much slower than that because, of course, they built up all this infrastructure to commercialize, and now they're able to, you know, leverage more sales against those fixed costs to get themselves closer and closer to profitability. There's no timeline for profitability, but if you look at the first quarter results, you know, it seems like they they continue to make solid headway. And 2017 looks like it's shaping up to be uh, a year that's even better than last year. We'll be back with more interesting companies like these right after the break. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, and mlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Our second stock to talk about today that is under $30 per share is called Flexion Therapeutics. They are a $780 million market cap company, and their ticker is FLXN. Listeners might recall that we talked about them on our April 12th show, which was about drug makers looking to create non-opioid pain medications. And In this episode, we discussed how opioids are an extremely common prescription. There are over 650,000 opioid prescriptions dispensed every day, and meanwhile, there's been a quadrupling of deaths due to opioid abuse since 1999. And so there is a huge market for new ways to control pain. And Flexion is right up in the middle of that market. Yeah, there are 650,000 prescriptions that are written for opiates uh, every day, um, according to the Department of Health and Human Services. And a lot of those prescriptions are for the use of opiates as rescue medication for people who are suffering from chronic pain. Uh, including chronic pain associated with osteoarthritis of the knee. And that's really the sweet spot that Flexion Therapeutics is targeting, developing a new way to control pain that isn't an opiate, that can control pain more consistently, and potentially, as a result, reduce uh, the need to rely on these rescue medications, which, you know, as we talked about previously in, a, in, that, in that prior show, um, it, you know, it can, it can 
increase the likelihood of getting addicted and 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 contributing to the opioid epidemic. Right. So the way that knee pain treatment generally works is that you start off on an ibuprofen or an aspirin, and over time, it doesn't work as well. And so then you move on to corticosteroid injections, and again, over time, it starts to not work as well. And that's when you end up being moved to an opioid, because with all of these things, eventually your body builds up a little bit of a tolerance, and the pain is not effectively being managed by the milder drugs. And so Zilretta is a sustained release steroid injection, and it's supposed to supplement the natural fluids in the knee. And it's been very effective so far. Um, They are looking to get this drug approved by the FDA. Currently, they have an application submitted, and the PDUFA date, which is the day that is, in theory, the deadline that the FDA is supposed to say yes or no by, that date is October 6th. Yeah, if you suffer from knee pain, and you're one of the five million people who get corticosteroid shots every quarter, you, you probably know why it is that Flexion's intriguing. Because frankly, you know the effects, the benefit of corticosteroid shots, they can start wearing off after the course of a few weeks. And by the time you get to the three month mark, you, know, you, you don't have any relief from it. You know, you, one of the things you're talking about, the progression of treatment, you know, the, the next step after you've exhausted, you know, uh, corticosteroid shots and some of these other uh, medical interventions is actual knee replacement. And, and that's, that's, you know, obviously invasive. It's expensive. It's not something that people want to subject themselves to. And oftentimes, you know, knee replacement, you know, the, the doesn't necessarily give you the relief that you were hoping for. I think it's like 20% of the patient's um, are dissatisfied after they've had that done. So if you can find a way, like Zilretta, where you can per, you can extend the life of the corticosteroid and have that pain relief last that entire three-month period, not only do you improve the quality of life of the patient, but you may actually delay them advancing to that eventual total knee replacement. There's no guarantee, obviously, the FDA will approve this drug, you know, when they when they make their decision in October. Uh, but I think it is, you know, it, it's intriguing to me. I think they might have a good shot at it when you consider the fact that this is just a reformulation of a drug that's already available, right? I mean, it's they've redone this corticosteroid so that it'll last longer. So I, I think that they have a, sh- a good shot at it. You know, anything can happen. If they do get approved, you're talking about a drug that could bring in hundreds of millions of dollars in sales based upon what you've seen out there for competing drugs in this in this indication. And there are studies that are ongoing for Zilretta that could expand its use uh, to other you know, disease indications, um, you know, other areas of, of, of chronic pain. The numbers that I've seen peg this drug at $500 million to $600 million in peak sales just for this one indication. So I could easily see it being a blockbuster, meaning a billion or more annually, if it does get that expansion to other joints. One other thing that I thought would be interesting to talk about with this company is that they've also examined the cost effectiveness of this drug. So they assumed a hypothetical cost of $500 per treatment, and they used the actual cost of some comparable treatments, um, some of the, the more traditional ones. Uh, and also the uh, hydrolonic acid injections. Uh, they, so they had three different uh, things that they were comparing it to. And in each of them, they found that Zilretta improved quality of life at a lower cost per quali. And qualies are a, a way of actually uh, 
adjusting a life year for the quality of that life. So the acronym is QALY, Quality Adjusted Life Year. So it improves quality, the quality of your life. Um, and it also does it at a lower cost for that improvement. And since this is a chronic treatment, that's pretty huge because not only would you find insurers more willing to accept this, but they're going to accept it year in and year out. And that, that's that constantly generating revenue flow, which especially as the population ages, that's going to only grow. Right. And the diagnosis and the treatment is starting, the intervention now is starting younger and younger. So maybe where you weren't doing this until you were in your 50s or 60s, now people are, uh, because of injuries they suffered to their knee when they were in their teens or 20s, they're being diagnosed and beginning treatment in their 40s. Well, you know, people are living longer and the population is bigger. So you've got, you know, I think some pretty attractive demographic tailwinds that could support demand for this drug. They also have some management that has some experience. Sanofi makes uh, one of those hyaluronic injections, Cinevisc One. That uh, drug has 400 million annually in sales. And some ex-Sanofi executives have joined uh, Flexion in the C-suite. So you know they seem to have a team that's that's pretty good. They have an intriguing drug, and they have that catalyst coming in October, uh, i.e., the decision date. Um, obviously, if it, if it gets rejected, this stock will tank. Um, but if if it gets approved, then you know, theoretically, you could argue this stock will go higher. Yeah, and that is the case with a lot of these smaller companies that we talk about, where they're not on the market yet, and so an FDA decision is really make or break. Let's move on to our final company of the day. This one is called Zogenix. Their ticker is ZGNX, and they have a market cap of three hundred and twenty million dollars. Yeah, this is the smallest stock that we're talking about. It's got a thirteen dollar price tag and a three hundred and twenty two million dollar. Uh, market cap. They're working on a uh, drug that has had a mixed past, if you will. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, that may be able to significantly reduce the 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 number of seizures that patients suffer um, if they're if they're diagnosed with rare forms of epilepsy. Exactly. So they are working on a drug that's called fenfluoramine. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. They're calling it ZX008, which might be a little bit easier to pronounce and remember. And this drug is trying to treat some very rare forms of epilepsy, specifically something called Dravet syndrome and also um, another one called Lennox Gestout. Hopefully, I'm getting that name right as well. And if they are successful, they will be going head to head against a company that we've talked about on the show before called GW Pharmaceuticals. GW has a drug called Epidiolex, which is pending FDA application for approval in Dravet syndrome, which currently has nothing currently approved to treat it. Yeah, this is a very small patient population. Okay, so that's something that people should know. Uh, they should also know that the ZX008 is a low dose of fenfluramine. And anyone who's been around um, as long as I have the gray hair, they may remember the drug Fenfen from the 1990s, which was an obesity drug. Uh, it unfortunately was found that that drug uh, resulted in some cardiac events. It was pulled from the market back in 97. So this is one of the two drugs that was in that two drug combo of Fenfen, but this is a very low dose of it. And so far, there's been no evidence that it is increasing cardiac risks. And that's important, obviously, uh, to eventually winning approval. What has been seen in trials is pretty darn good efficacy. 
And you mentioned that, you know, if eventually, you know, this drug makes it to, to its way to market, it could be competing against Epidiolex. Epidiolex being a marijuana-based drug that GD Pharmaceuticals has been working on for years um, that could also, you know, offer new hope to in this indication. As you mentioned, there's no approved treatment specifically for it. And typically, anti-epileptic medicine does not work, uh, or patients with this do not you know, respond very well to the current existing treatment options that are out there. Um, the Lennox-Gastaut syndrome is a much bigger indication. There's 15,000 or so patients in the U.S. that theoretically um, could, could you know, benefit from the drug uh, if it's approved eventually in that indication. But initially, we're just talking about Dravet syndrome, a relatively small indication. And what we're all eyes are focused on this quarter is data from its phase three trial, the first of two. You're gonna get data in this quarter and then you'll get data again early 2018 in Dravet syndrome. And if the, the, the data is good, then theoretically you get a application uh, filed with the FDA for approval. And then if the Lennox Gestalt or LGS uh, data is eventually good sometime down the road, then they'll file for a supplemental approval uh, of the drug at that point. And so this is definitely something that investors in GW want to be watching as well, because it, it could be a pretty big threat. Something to keep an eye on as well when the data comes out is that there aren't any serious side effects, because this drug, as we went through, has a pretty serious side effect history. In fact, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the episode that Gabby and I did on thalidomide, kind of similar stories there, where you have a drug that is not even worth using, and then you find a way that it actually can be effective in a certain population at a certain dose. So lots of interesting stuff to watch out for here. Something that I like to do at the end of these shows, Todd, where we cover a handful of different biotechs is put you on the spot and ask you which one your favorite is. Hopefully you were ready for that question, but I will ask you to close us out by telling us which one of these is your favorite buy and why. Well, you know, for, for risk tolerant investors, boy, it's, it's I think Zogenix is, is third, no matter what. And I think it's kind of a toast toss up for me between Novacure and Flexion. In the past, I've liked Flexion a lot. I think they have a good shot and the market cap may undervalue them if they win the approval. Um, but if you're looking for a more safer route, Novacure already has the FDA approval. They're already you know, winning uh, market share and, and prescription growth. So you know what, I'm gonna say Novacure, even though it's not cheap, uh, followed by Flexion and then Zogenix coming up in third place. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. As always, people on the program have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Today's show was produced by Dan Boyd. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!